1: welcome back to limitless the blind
0: beginnings podcast
1: thanks for joining us again this week today we are talking about eye surgeries uh what to expect maybe how to prepare and I am grateful to have two awesome co-hosts with me again uh, Jill and Nika welcome back to the podcast hi I've only had one eye surgery and it was very, very long time ago when I was a teenager and it was just mostly a cosmetic thing. So I don't really have a lot to say on this topic. So I'm really glad that you guys are with me today. Um, Why don't you remind our listeners who you are and maybe a little bit about your eye surgery history. Jill, it was your idea to talk about this. Why don't you start us off?
2: Yeah. um, So I'm Jill. Uh, My eye condition is retinopathy of prematurity. Um, which is literally the reason why I've had so many eye procedures and I think I've had I don't I can't I don't actually know the total number but definitely over 10 for sure Um, Uh whether it's been like full-out surgeries where they put me under or just like you know 20 minute to half an hour kind of procedures so okay
1: quite a lot yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) how about you Nika
3: um, yeah so hi I'm Nika and my eye condition actually recently I found out is pretty controversial and I could have been potentially misdiagnosed so um, now I'm just gonna say that I have sclerocornea because that's what my doctor says I have um, but my eye surgery history is also pretty short like yours Sean um, I only had one and it was two months ago but the one that I did have was pretty weird and kind of um, very like labor intensive you could say. Mm, okay maybe
1: I'll start with you Jill when you think mm-hmm. back like do you know how old you were the first time you had a, an eye surgery?
2: Um, I was I had just turned 14.
1: Okay mm-hmm. so that's old enough to remember. Um, what do you remember about that first one?
2: Well the first one it was kind of like really surprising because Everything that they told me to like watch out for with my vision in case, I, like, you know, they always told me if I start, started to see stars or rainbows or if I got hit in the head really hard, then that's when we should be, you know, go get checked out in case something happened. Mm. But that was none of the situations that had happened. My like the top half of my vision just got really blurry. And at the time, I thought I just got like makeup in it or I don't know, I poked myself in the eye and scratched it or something. We didn't we thought it'd be fine. Um, so I think the, the most surprising thing is that it was completely unexpected and not at all what we were warned about.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: cause my eye condition is a lot to do with like retinal detachment. Mm-hmm. and that's like the main, um, I guess result of the eye condition. So it was a retinal detachment, um, originally really small town. We don't have op- ophthalmologists, just optometrists. Um, so I went to see him and he's like, he, I pretty much was like rushed to Edmonton the next day. Um, for, like, an emergency retinal reattachment surgery because <laughs> it was detached, like, pretty much the was it, the bottom half was re- or detached, mm-hmm. um, right? And, like, we didn't know, like, what does that mean? What happens? Like, it was really chaotic and really quick. Like, and Edmonton um, is, like, six-hour drive from my hometown, and we had to rush there, like, the next day. So I think the biggest thing at that time was that it was completely unexpected um, and very, like, urgent and very rushed because they wanted to try and save, because I was low vision at the time, so they wanted to try and save whatever site could be saved at the kind of thing, so.
1: So you're going in thinking it's nothing, Mm
2: -hmm. and then
1: all of a sudden they're like, oh my god, we gotta take you, you need surgery immediately. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah,
2: and like, especially being so far away, right, like we don't, we didn't live near Mm -hmm. a city to have, where they could do that kind of procedure, um, so we, you know, like we didn't really, ha- we never really went to Edmonton that much or anything. So it's like, okay, we're now going to this big crazy city and trying to find this hospital and getting a surgery and all yeah. these doctors I've never met. And because like whenever I would get eye checkups in the like, in the past, as in that before that, um, I would come to Vancouver for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be like maybe once a year, every two years kind of thing. It wasn't very often. And then like, we're going to very little to do with anything to do with my eyes, like checkups or anything to like all of a sudden go to Edmonton now you have to get a surgery I'm like what does that mean (laughs) like right yeah um yeah so it was very chaotic for sure during that time too because they they, there's a few different ways they can like reattach your retina but none of the methods worked for me at the time so I had like what was it I think eight or nine surgeries in a six-month span to try and like reattach my retina each time um I don't know why the retina just did not want to stay. So like I, we would have to go back to Edmonton, like back and forth every two weeks kind of thing. So right. Like a lot of travel, a lot of car rides, a lot of like, we don't know if it's going to be just a simple checkup or it's going to turn into another surgery. Mm. And then there's, you know, like multiple eye drops and like eye patches and like multiple surgeries and everything. So it was very, was a lot at once for sure. So.
1: So were they able to save your vision at that point?
2: Um, no, it pretty much they tried like their best that they could, um, and I like truly believe that they tried everything they could to save the vision. Mm-hmm. But the eye had just gone through so much trauma, is the way that they worded it, mm-hmm. because like nine surgeries in like six months and all the other stuff that was done to the to my eye, my eye just couldn't handle it. I guess. Yeah. So they, from all the trauma that I went through, it kind of just gave up on itself. It's kind of how they worded it. So the retina is like fully attached, and there's enough like scar tissue that'll you know, in theory should never ever come off again or detach again, I should say. Um, but the problem now is from all the trauma. It's kind of like the the eye and the blood flow to the eye kind of stopped. So there's no blood flow to my optic nerve anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the problem now, and they can't really fix that. So so yeah, uh-huh. I went from like low vision like pretty decent low vision to like fully blind within six months. <laughs> and they wow. like w- the last surgery at, like, at that time, I've had more since. Um, I like woke up from the surgery and they asked like, you know, like, what can you see? And I couldn't see anything and mm-hmm. they didn't really know why. And that was really terrifying because like, how do you not know why I can no longer see anything? Like, isn't this your job to know? kind of thing? Oh. Um, and, you know, they had multiple doctors come check it out and none of them really knew what happened. And then they're like, we just think your eye just went through so much that it just gave up on itself. And pretty much we hope you get something back, but there's no guarantee. I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's not, doesn't sound great. And then I did get, um, they call them phantom lights. Um, So they're fake little lights that aren't actually real lights. It just means my eye and like is working technically working, Mm -hmm. but not enough to be useful (laughs) in any Mm -hmm. way. So
1: yeah. So you went in with a little bit of vision and came Mm -hmm. out with no vision.
2: Yeah, so Aww. I think, like, after the sec, probably the third or fourth surgery, I think, is um, the, my vision started to get a little bit blurrier, and I was already light sensitive, but I became more and more light sensitive, um, and then they just thought, you know, like, that's kind of bound to happen, and it'll clear up and get better, and then it didn't, and then it kept getting worse, but not really, like, it's not like they did anything wrong, it's just mm-hmm. the eye just couldn't handle it.
3: Yeah, um, It's kind so of Because like, if you didn't have the surgery to attach your retina, you would have for sure lost your vision. Exactly. Right. So either
2: way, it would have been like, there's not a good outcome either way, but I'd rather everything be healthy and fully attached, you know, than like risk. They also said that if we, they wouldn't have done all those surgeries, I would have lost my vision way faster. Um even though six months is pretty quick. Yeah. But <laughs> but like they also, you know, like there's no guarantee that I would have got the phantom lights back and there's no guarantee that if um if we didn't do the surgeries that like they, you know, there's always the hope that one day I could get my sight back even now and there's still that hope. Um okay. so if they hadn't done the surgeries and the retina stayed fully like detached, then that hope and that possibility would never be there anymore, right? So regardless of like the fact that I, you know, I went through so much and it was so quick and I went from low vision to total that like there's still that hope one day that they can, I can get sight back and they can fix it.
1: So, right.
2: yeah. So that's wow. what kind of why I kept like, do whatever you have to, to make it all okay. Kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's so I don't know, that's like a whole other aspect is the emotional aspect of going mm-hmm. through so many surgeries and the maybe this time it will help and then mm-hmm. it doesn't, and then trying again and getting kind of your hopes up and oh yeah. it didn't work again. Like, oh what an emotional roller coaster that must be. Well,
2: have and been. then being in high school and being a teenager and having to deal with all of that, I had to miss a lot of school because of all of it as well. Yeah. Because it's not just like we can drive half an hour to the hospital to get the surgery we had to drive six hours there and back right Mm -hmm. um so it always like I missed a lot of school for that and even when I was back in school it might only be for a couple of weeks and during that time I was so tired from the like what do you you call that the anesthetic or whatever anesthesia Mm -hmm. that was still in my system Mm -hmm. and then like at that time I still you know like when I lost the majority of my vision like I instantly like here's a cane here's a talking or a laptop with a jaws here's
1: yeah how you it's not navigate like you just around. instantly know how to use all those no, things yeah right
2: so like yeah. it was a lot for sure like just in so many ways and like then my family also had to adjust a lot because they were used to me as being low vision right
0: mm-hmm. where I
2: didn't really need as much help with like all they really had to do was like read small print and like oh it's really bright I can't see where I'm going kind of thing to like okay I need you to guide me and help me with pretty much everything because I don't know how to do this anymore mm-hmm. so it was like as much for me as it was for them, right? And like yeah. my mom would miss school and like all like the costs of like g- like gas money and stuff too. So, yeah, it was there was a lot happening for that like what six months to a year, especially.
1: So, sounds rough. Yeah, it was a little wild. <laughs> <sighs> um, okay, but you recently had surgery again. So what what's yeah. the deal now? There's no vision to save at this no. point. what's happening?
2: Yeah. So the most re- like I've had. A few pre- procedures since that original six month, like all those retinal reattachment surgeries, but the one, the most recent one was two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Um, so I don't know how common this is with other eye conditions, but I know it's pretty con- common with mine, where um there starts to be a, like a lot of buildup of cal- like calcium on the cornea of the yeah. eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so my left eye, I've always had like kind of a lot of scar tissue and calcium build up over my pupil. So like you could never see the black part of my eye. Um, but what was ha- starting to happen is that over pretty much my entire life, I guess, it's starting to build up enough where it was ca- pushing through the skin of my eye or something and causing a lot of irritation. Mm. So it constantly felt like there was something stuck in my eye oh. when there wasn't. So like it kind of felt like there's an eyelash or piece Mm -hmm. of dust or something um and i didn't like we always knew it would be a possibility that we i always thought it was scar tissue too, not calcium buildup. apparently it's very different don't know the science behind that but um they never like growing up they never really told me that that could be a problem where it would build up enough and cause a lot of irritation um but it actually started to form in both my eyes so i the two weeks ago i got a procedure i didn't get fully put under it was just like light sedation i think they call it twilight sedation too which is a fun term um so like they just sedated me but I was still kind of kind of awake and they did the procedure for both eyes at the same time which I also had never had done before Mm. It was the first time I'd ever had a procedure on my left eye everything else and all of the other stuff I mentioned before was all in the right eye I'm like okay you're doing my left eye which is kind of creepy because I've never had it done but now you're doing both eyes and I also kind of have to be awake for that and I don't want to um, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't put, they won't put you fully under unless your procedure is an hour or longer. And this, okay. um, this procedure only takes like, oh, 15, 20 minutes per eye. No, something like that. So, but cause I had both eyes, it was still, it still ended up being under an hour. So they wouldn't put me all the way under, mm-hmm. which I wasn't a fan of, but that's fine. <laughs> <A> little <laughs> creepy. Don't like to be awake for those things. Yeah. But, um, and then, so they, that and then um thankfully my mom was able to come down and be with me and help me out um and then now i'm like i'm on eye drops four times a day for the at least next two weeks at least for a month in total i believe um and then i had a follow-up checkup like a week after and then i have another one in two weeks just to make sure it's all healed properly and everything's good but Is there's it, like are what? you still
1: feeling that oh, thing in oh no eye? It's thank gone? god okay. so happy it's gone
2: it was honestly like it just felt like there was something always stuck in it Mm -hmm. and then I'd have to like I would go like with my finger and try and get it out even though I should have realized sooner that it wasn't actually anything in there so and then I would touch it and make it worse right but now like it's it's gone and it's so much better so I am so happy like it wasn't just you know help my vision or get my vision back or anything but just the comfort and Mm -hmm. even I don't even think it was a cosmetic thing it was more just to make it more comfortable and stop hurting and uncom- like painful cuz it mm-hmm. did start to get quite painful too. Yeah. Um yeah, so it's okay. all healed and everything's good now. It's just That's good. But it's my eyes also for some reason don't like to be fine for more than like a year and like something else happens. So I'm hoping <laughs> hoping this will stay fine for a while.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay, Nika, why don't you tell us what what what's been going on with you? What's your surgery story?
3: Mine's definitely a lot different. So, <laughs> some background on my eye condition. My eye condition affects my cornea. So, for most people, the cornea is supposed to be clear. And then the white eye, like the white part of the eye you see, is called the sclera. But with sclerocornea, basically my cornea resembles the entire sclera. So that's why my, all of my eyes look white and it's covered my iris and my pupil. So that's why I wasn't able to see out of it at all. And when I was a baby, the doctors put me under like general anesthesia to do an eye exam. And they weren't really able to find out a lot at the time, just because in 2001, um, they were only just barely starting to do research on this condition. So there wasn't really any literature out at the time. And then when I was 11, I went to the low vision clinic and that was when they brought up the potential for me being able to do a surgery. But they said that most pediatric ophthalmologists um, tend to do more routine procedures. And unless they're like an expert in the front part of your eye or the anterior part of your eye, they don't tend to do more riskier surgeries. So I was basically told that I would have to go to like just a regular like adult ophthalmologist, which um, my mom and I weren't comfortable doing at the time. Um, And then when I was 19, I aged out of the children's hospital system and I went to just a regular ophthalmologist and kind of right away, they basically started talking to me about surgery and doing tests and waiting for the literature to come out Um, and to read case studies. And I'm just like, wait, like, can you ask my permission first? I mean, I would have always said yes, but I don't know. It just felt very presumptuous. Um, But anyway, then they did a bunch of tests and they did an ultrasound. And I've had a lot of eye ultrasounds before, but most of those were for the back of my eye where they just used the ultrasound probe on my eyeball. This, they were basically trying to see past my cornea and see if they could measure my lens and they put this weird like cup over my eyes and they poured like water in it Ugh. I don't it was weird and like I could see the water coming towards my eyes but it wasn't allowed to blink because like it would affect the ultrasound pictures and then the water kept like getting past the suction cup and like into my eye <laughs> it, <was weird. laughs> it makes my eyeballs feel uncomfortable Right. I don't know. Apparently that's how ultrasounds for the front of your eye work. And (laughs) through that, they were actually able to find out that my right eye, even though that was the eye that could see less, was actually more structurally sound than my left eye, which can see more. But the reason why I see less in my right eye is because there was just so much scar tissue and my cornea was so scleralized. Um, So that's how they decided to do surgery on my right eye, plus um, if things do go wrong. And there was always that risk of when you're getting a transplant, um, your body could reject the transplant. And worst case scenario, there could be an infection and even potentially having to take out the eyeball fully. Um, But if that were the case, then at least it wouldn't exorbitantly affect my vision. Okay. Um so then we kind of got into the they were trying to figure out whether they wanted to do an artificial cornea transplant or um like one from a donor mm-hmm. and in the end the infection risk is a lot lower when you get a donor cornea and there's different types of transplants because the cornea is a clear piece of tissue that covers your eyes but there's multiple layers so I had a full cornea transplant because all of the layers of my cornea were fully damaged. Um, So then a couple days before the new year, um, at the end of 2022, I got a call basically saying that they had an opening and I was waiting for over six months at this point. Um, So I got the call basically saying that on January 11th, I'd be able to get my surgery. And I didn't know a lot about the surgery going into it all I knew is that I would be under like full general um a lot of the instructions too that they sent uh they sent pretty last minute like the day before surgery they sent me instructions telling me not to take my omega-3 supplement because it would cause blood thinning issues Mm. um and like just a lot of it I wasn't really talked through Um, So in the forms that I got, I found out that I had to get something called autologous serum made, which is basically eye drops from my own blood. So I had to go to this one specific location in Vancouver that does it. And they needed to take like the amount that they took was basically equivalent to when you give a blood donation. And they separate components of the blood and they take the plasma and they put it through a machine called a centrifuge um, and mix it with saline. And the reason why I had to do that was because my eyes do not have stem cells and they can't heal. So for a typical average person, if they scratch their eye, they will need to go to a doctor and get antibiotics and monitor it, but ultimately they will be fine and it will heal. For me, any trauma that happens to my eye, it will not heal unless I have basically this serum that is made for my own antibody. Wow.
1: wow. Okay. So they, well, I'm curious, how did the surgery, like, how did it go? Did you gain
3: back some vision? Did it work? Um, so that's kind of complicated because when I came out of surgery, um, I kind of started freaking out a bit because it looked like I was looking underwater because they also put in a protective membrane over top of my, um, cornea to, I guess, help it heal because I didn't have the stem cells. Mm -hmm. Um, but the biggest thing I noticed is that my eye is very, very light sensitive And one reason for this actually is because they did not just give me a cornea transplant. They also removed my iris and my lens. And I did not find this out until a month after getting out of surgery. Um, But basically, my iris, lens and cornea were so fused together to the point where it was basically just completely like my doctor basically said, no wonder your right eye was so like dysfunctional is because everything was just fused together in a blob and it wasn't properly separated. Mm. Um, And then my lens was also just completely, I don't even know what the proper term is, full of cataracts or had cataracts, but um, the amount of surgeries I would need, cataract surgeries I would need, it was basically not worth keeping my lens. So that's why they took it out. And for most people, they're able to get an artificial lens put in. But one kind of feature of my eye condition is that the anterior portion of your eye, or the front portion of your eye, is very small. They weren't able to fit one in, um, so I'll need to be fitted with glasses. So there's a lot of other kind of things I have to go through before finding out if I'll have more vision or not. Um, I also need LASIK eye surgery in a couple months as well. Um, And I also stitches and kind of slowly they're taking out some of the stitches. Some of them had to melt Um, but the biggest thing is definitely I'm very light sensitive and something I kind of noticed is that before I could only see like basic light and shadow and like certain bright colors but it was not enough to actually be able to direct myself or tell myself like where I am in a room Now, if I close my left eye and have my right eye open, I am able to walk straight without bumping into anything. So I think functionally, there's an improvement. Um, My field of vision, though, is pretty small. So when my doctor does the finger counting, um, I'm able to count the fingers now, but I'm only able to do it if I move my head. Because just the field of vision is still very small, but I think I can see more details with my right eye now. Wow.
1: Is the plan to do the same procedure on the other eye?
3: Um, the jury's kind of still out on that one. We're gonna wait a year. Um, so it's been a few months. So I'm gonna wait a year and just see whether it was worth it or not. Um, and see if, just because there's there's always a risk in surgery Um, but I think I'm definitely open to doing it to the left eye if things go well. Okay.
1: So just having some thoughts about like, I imagine there's some pieces to this that aren't very accessible, like maybe the paperwork they send you home with to prepare for the surgery or (laughs) what was both of your experiences like around kind of access and lead up to surgery? And just like, did you feel like you were supported? The irony of an eye surgery, you know, obviously somebody getting an eye surgery probably has trouble seeing. So how do they handle that?
2: Um, so for when I originally had, when I was, uh, had all the retinal reattachment surgeries, I was still a minor. Um, so my mom was there for all of it. And like, even if I wanted to read the paperwork, I still couldn't because I still mm-hmm. couldn't, I still low vision, couldn't read normal print. And they never really thought about that detail um, actually. But I I had a really amazing ophthalmologist um, in Edmonton who, even though I was a kid, um, I was also by far his youngest patient ever because most retinal detachments kind of happen to like older people. Um, and like he had never done an op- like a surgery on like anyone who's who is still a minor, so mm-hmm. he and I, I ended up getting like a really good I guess kind of connection through all of that. And he was very open and very honest, and he always explained to me what was going to happen in the surgery, not you know to my mom and while I'm sitting there awkwardly in the room. He always made it. He's like, "This is your eye. I'm going to tell you what we're doing." Um, you know, and he always explained it really well and always answered like any questions I had um I still actually keep in touch with him he's an amazing doctor so I was really grateful especially being a kid like I don't know what you're doing to my eyeball but like mm-hmm. thank you for filling me in um but as an adult it's a bit of a different situation one because my mom is 15 hours away from me well all my family is 15 hours away so it's up to me to get to the eye doctor you know to answer any of their questions uh, stuff like that
0: yeah.
2: and depend like at least at the Vancouver eye clinic where i go or eye care center sorry um different di- there's like the main floor is retinal uh, like retinal stuff the second floor is um cornea stuff so like you have to figure out what floor and what section and what counter you have to go to on each floor which is really mm-hmm. complicated yes um so, and like on you know just i can have i have friends who could help me if i needed them to. but i'm like i have to get a checkup every six months or every six months still um just to make sure like my retina is still attached and everything, Um, which it has been for like 10 plus years, but still, Um, so I honestly just- Knocking on wood for you. (laughs) Yeah, right, (laughs) like, it's been 10 years, I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I'm kind of surprised, I still want me to get it checked out. But anyways, so I honestly just, I kind of do one of three things at this point. Either I get a friend to go with me, especially at the beginning when it was, I was going to them by myself for the first time, first few times, I, you know, I've had a lot of trauma with eye surgeries, mm-hmm. make me really nervous because majority of my checkups have not been, you know, good scenarios. Yeah. So I get really nervous. So if I'm like, I find I'm really anxious and really nervous, I'll get someone to go with me and then they can help me find, you know, where I need to go. Um, or I'll get the Uber driver because I'll just take an Uber there at this point. Um, cause it's like a, two-ish hour transit and I don't always have time for that. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll just take an Uber and I'll get the Uber guy to help me find like the front door and then I kind of know where to go from there just from being there so much. Um or I'll get like a random person inside the building to like, hey, do you know where section G is or something? Mm-hmm. Um and I'm very like comfortable and open with like just asking a, you know, just a decent-sounding random stranger to help me find the counter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> decent-sounding
2: um,
1: is important, yes. Yeah,
2: right? <laughs> um, and then, like, I've had a really good experience with a lot of the staff in the clinic, um, or the care center, that, like, you know, once I'm at the counter, they'll help me find a seat if I can't figure it out. Or I have, um, like, my guide dog, Kiki, so I'll just get her to follow all the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had a couple, like, the doctors themselves... Um, I feel like no one's going to be quite like that first doctor in who was always very open and honest and explained everything really well. Um, I also learned that there's only a certain amount of time they can allot to each patient, which I didn't know until recently. So if you ever feel rushed, that's because they only can, you know, give you a certain amount of time. Um, but like, I'm also very like, okay, if you don't, like I'm going to make sure and I get all my questions answered before you leave the room, regardless of time, because I'd like to know what you're doing to me. Um, but I've also had them be quite abrupt and like, okay, we're good. Bye. I'm like, I right, had questions. Don't mm-hmm. run away yet. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So it's definitely a bit of a different experience when it's up to you and you have to figure it all out for yourself and your mom can't always be there for you or whatever. Um, especially for, in my situation where I'm not living close to home or close to my family. Um, but I'm also rather resourceful. So I just kind of figure it out as I go. And because it is the same building each time like after a couple of checkups you could kind have of learned the layout mm-hmm.
1: so yeah okay. what about you Nika was your experience accessible
3: um even with my family being nearby and me living with them it was still a bit of a gong show because for one the instructions that they sent were in an inaccessible pdf and had a pdf scanning app to read it which sometimes made a lot of mistakes Um, and wasn't super accurate. Um, And there was just, just because everything was so last minute and so kind of just thrown together, there was a lot of miscommunication. Like I thought I was supposed to go to a different hospital to have a meeting with the anesthesiologist, but it turns out it was a phone call, but the instructions specifically told me I had to go to the hospital and then going to the special place to get my serum made was just kind of like We weren't sure if we were supposed to go to the pharmacy to drop off the prescription first, then get the blood drawn or get the blood drawn first and do all of that. Um, And it was chaotic. And when the doctor's office was trying to fax my eye drop prescriptions to the pharmacy, the fax didn't go through. So I had to go and pick them up. And like, I actually like my mom had worked and stuff. So I had to go by myself to the doctor's office and kind of pick up the prescriptions in person. And it was, it was a lot. Um, As for my actual surgeon, he's nice. Um, He answers my questions, but just little things kind of confused me. Like how I mentioned earlier, I didn't find out that my lens or like iris were taken out until a month after surgery. And I didn't find out that I needed LASIK surgery and glasses until um, a month and a half after my surgery, which I feel like those are things I kind of should have known going into the surgery is what the long term plan is. And something that kind of frustrated me is once um, I think this would have been two weeks after my surgery. I kind of um, I had appointments weekly, then two weeks, then three weeks, and it kind of is tapering off. But a couple of weeks after my surgery, I had a loose stitch. And when they put in numbing drops, my eyes still continued to shake and my entire body was shaking because I had anxiety. Um, They literally had to get like his fellow to come in and like hold my head steady. And then the second time, um, this would have been, I think, a month and a half after my surgery, I had another loose stitch. And his idea was instead of telling me and freaking me out about it, he was going to remove the stitch without telling me about it ahead of time. Um, And the only reason why I found out was because I could hear him like taking out like his tools. And I'm like, you're doing something like I can tell. And he's like, yeah, I wasn't going to tell you, but I'm actually going to like remove a loose stitch. And I'm like, I feel like common sense and bedside manner dictates that when you have a patient with anxiety and someone who is like blind or visually impaired, you describe what you're doing to them before doing it eye doctors do not do that well
2: (laughs) (laughs) which is ironic because they're working with people who have vision problems they kind of like oh yeah by the way but as they're kind of doing it it's like hey would have been nice to have you describe what you're doing first or like you know when they slide that like machine towards you we have to put your chin and your forehead in this little thing Mm -hmm. so they can look in your
3: eyes they just slide it right in front of your face without like saying I'm like it's like the awkward okay. to the left or like when yeah. you're the room. Like I'm kind of just like, oh. they're like, oh, uh, the, the chair is over uh, here. Oh, um, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> be careful of the footrest. I'm like, I know the footrest is there. It's always
2: there.
1: It's never gone away.
2: <laughs> so the what, eye doctors
1: it... could use some blindness awareness training is oh. what you're saying.
2: Ironically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think it's hilarious. What's that? something else that actually, um, I think it's kind of interesting to mention is that for Nika's surgery and then for the the most recent one I just had with the calcium buildup removal, we actually had the same surgeon do the procedures. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but because they were both cornea specific mm-hmm. procedures. So I'm like, hey, yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so he like he's like how's Nika I'm like oh she's good <laughs> it was kind of funny
3: and like going into my surgery I'm like hey you know my friend Jill with the bumpy corneas
2: <laughs> 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 I mean literally like Nika and I had an, like a follow-up checkup like what two weeks ago I think like the same day but we didn't know till later
0: that it was oh the same that's day. funny
2: Like, oh we should have met up and like gone for lunch after <laughs> so <laughs> still funny like it's interesting because like you know you think just a, kind of a small world either way even though it, you don't think it would be but I no. mean also,
3: like Jill and my mom have the same retina special yeah
2: <laughs> like it's so weird but and like I don't know but I think it's also because like thinking about it now um and a lot of like every a lot of the people that I know in the blind community don't really seem to be getting a lot of procedures or checkups or maybe not checkups but a lot of procedures or surgeries Mm -hmm. um so I definitely feel like I'm like the odd one out because I've had so like I've had so many at least 15 10 15 at least 15 I think whether they're surgeries or procedures like I said Mm -hmm. um and there's like a difference but honestly it's kind of a small world so I'm like Nika you had a surgery like not like me but like like me
0: right
3: like friend I know and because something I like even with checkups like it's almost like most people I know when they were a kid their parents Mm. kind of them go to children's and then mm-hmm. when they reached out like none of the like none of my other blind friends were in yeah. their 20s 30s really go to the eye doctor i have to go every six months still yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like,
1: yeah yeah no i haven't been i haven't had a an ophthalmologist since i was an adult and i think i've only i saw a retina specialist i don't know maybe 15 years ago and he was like <laughs> yeah no nothing we could do And (laughs) that was it. I'm like, okay. Cause I heard sometimes people with RP get cataracts. Maybe Mm. I have one, maybe that would help. And he said something like, um, there's nothing worth, like it wouldn't make a significant difference. And I'm like, Hey man, a pinprick might help. Like (laughs) significant to you is different than significant to me. No, that's true. (laughs) I had had cataracts. But when you're talking about, yeah, (laughs) calcium buildup, it's like, I have no idea if my eyes are healthy or not. Like no one's checked them out and. In a long time, so
2: yeah. Well, I remember like going into a checkup for my. It was for just like a the six month. Let's check out your retinas, make sure everything's fine. Um, <laughs> it was a different um, doctor, but I go in there. He's like, "Yeah, your eye looks pretty red and beefy." I'm like, "What does that mean?" And like that doesn't sound good. He's like, <laughs> "Oh, it's fine." I'm like, "Are you sure?" Like that's not sound like a good description for an eyeball. Red and beefy. <laughs> like okay, um, and then it turns out it was a like calcium buildup after all.
1: Uh, but interesting because
2: like a lot of my things were to do with the retina originally but it was other things like there was um you know like the calcium buildup. I had cataracts I had um some there's like kind of like a pathway for fluid to go from the front of your eye to the back of your eye that kept getting blocked and lasers and needles and surgery. there's so many things there's so many so many wild things but I'm like the only person I know of to this day who has to go every six months for a checkup. Hmm. So.
1: Um, so Jill, with all those surgeries, are there certain things you do to prepare yourself or do you have any like good luck rituals or I don't know, just anything? Yeah,
2: Um. I think, so, I mean, not that this is really like, I couldn't bring Kiki, but Kiki's definitely like a big source of comfort for me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like that my you know, my family's not here. My friends can't always take, you know, a Tuesday morning off to go with me. So I always have Kiki. Well, at least for the last almost, well, just about two years, I've had Kiki to go with me. Um, So she definitely helps a lot. And I think before, like at least before the, um, like the day before, I, because I do get a lot of anxiety and like I get really nervous going because I've had so much trauma with the eyes and like mm-hmm. so much bad news overall that it makes me really stressed out. That like the day before, I'll kind of plan out Okay, the checkups at this time. I need to get there by this time. I it's going to take this long to get there. I need to book an Uber by this point. Um, so just be. Re- I really need to be organized. Like I for myself. Like I need to organize my like the whole, you know, getting there, and then getting home. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of helps. Like it's one thing I can control. So then it makes me a little like you know I feel in control. I can do this. It's this fine. Um, I also actually have this little. Um, it's a little silver disc. And it has um, like an engraved angel on it, and on this on the back of it, it has engraved. Um, it says, "Daughter, you fill my heart with love." And my parents gave it to me before I, like, when I moved away, actually. Um, and I'm not like a big like good luck kind of person, but that's one thing that I always have with me. Yeah. And then um, I also, because you know, they're poking and prodding your eye, and like the freezing drops, and I, they have to give me dilating drops. So like all the eye drops and like, all the stuff they're doing to the eye even in that 10, 15 minute checkup makes me very, very tired. Um, so usually whatever else I have going on that day, whether it's school or work or something, I'll just book that, like I'll just take the rest of that day off. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know I'm gonna come home and I'm gonna be really tired from everything they did. But I think also just like kind of the emotional, like anxiety side of it also mm-hmm. wears me out. so it's like, yeah. I'm just gonna take the day off, relax, kind of de-stress from it all. Um, so th- those are kind of the main things I do. Um, and then I would end up calling my mom after because she's like, let me know. But then she's also been even like, especially at the beginning, like when I was 14, she was there for every single checkup, every single surgery. Even now she came to the, sur- she was in Arizona when I got this last procedure and she's like, I'll be there. I'm coming. I'm like, Aww. but it's only like a week notice. Like, that's not enough time for you to like figure out what to do with your dogs. Or, like my stepdad's there. And like, what about flight? She's like, I don't care. I'm like, okay, because I was like, I don't want to ruin your trip. They're like, we don't care. I'm coming, like, so she's also, like, a big, like, big, you know, I'm 26, but I still want my mom kind of thing, yeah. right, so yeah. So I was like, call her, and then call my dad, and then have a nap <laughs> for, like, <laughs> a couple hours, and then I'm usually good and back to my mom, but those are kind of the main things I do, mm-hmm. um, and just, like, you know, accept the fact, like, okay, I know this, this causes a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress for me. And there is so much trauma. So there might be a bit of like PTSD going on. Mm -hmm. Like just knowing that and accepting that and like knowing that it's okay to take that time off and to kind of de stress from it all.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Nika? I know this is like the first big surgery, but you also have anxiety. What did you do to prepare?
3: Yeah. And I've actually been under a lot, not for eye surgeries, but I've had a lot of other medical issues. So I've probably been under general at least 10 times Mm. and something that I do in every kind of like, even if it's a blood draw or getting a shot or anything is I have this bracelet and my parents got it for me when I was going through a lot of medical issues when I was 11 um, and just kind of ever since then, I wear it as like my medical good luck charm bracelet. And it's very hit or miss whether they let me wear it in surgery or mm-hmm. not. It doesn't have a metal. all. Um, at this particular hospital, they let me wear it. They just basically put a bunch of medical tape on top of it to like hold it in place so it doesn't slide around or get caught on anything. Um, so I always wear that bracelet. And then... My brother was able to help me luckily with my guide dog because I was pretty out of it um, for like the first couple days. Uh, I bounced back from general pretty quickly, um, surprisingly, but it's always like those first couple days and the second day is always when it hurts more, um, probably Mm -hmm. things wearing off. Um, I was also able to get help with my eye drops I kind of I'm getting better at putting them in myself now, but at the time it was just so hard to hold my eyes open. And I was on three different eye drops 16 times a day. So it was just a lot to keep. Wow. I thought four I was bad. I can't <laughs> the three of them, it was 16 times a day. And I'm like I'm completely out of it. Like I can't do this. Um mm-hmm. and I think just I was very calm and serene going into it because general like I love being under general I actually <laughs> I love feel, I feel like I'm like I don't even know the patient sent from like the underworld because I have like a lot of demands like when I go to the hospital and how I want things to be done um for most adults they basically put you under through an IV for me I refuse because IVs really hurt me and it's hard to put them in so I like to use the mask to go under But then the mask makes you more nauseous. So then I tell the anesthesiologist to put in anti-nausea medicine. And I think it kind of throws them off because I'm basically telling them how to do their But I I also know what works for me. And I've been under, again, like over 10 times. So I kind of Mm -hmm. have routine and I know what I like and I know what I want and I know what's best for me. Um, So they did say, like my anesthesiologist said, in the 20 plus years I've done this, I've only had one other adult patient beside you who needed the mask. And I'm like, Thanks. Hmm. I wish. Oh. Yeah, no kidding. I didn't
1: know there was a choice. <laughs> I didn't either. I hate the IV. <laughs> I had the mask and I was a kid, but now
2: I
3: was an adult. Well, it's more dangerous because <laughs> um IV, if something goes wrong, you're able to administer the medication quicker, but with right. the mask, oh, okay. so it's like more dangerous. Right. Um but I was pretty kind of um, calm I was like cracking jokes about me dying on the table which the medical staff <laughs> that were is not. so
2: your humor though so that makes <laughs> sense
3: um and actually like something that my family kind of pokes fun at me about is that I was more nervous and stressed out and my anxiety was kicking in getting the blood drawn more than actually going under for the surgery mm. like <laughs> Like the doctors and the nurses were asking like, are you worried about your vision? And even going into it, like I was very content losing my vision, having no improvement, having any improvement. I mean, of course I was going into this hoping for some improvement, but I was just very content with whatever would happen. And I was just very relaxed and um, said, you don't seem like you're going like unknown territory. Like you should be more nervous. And I'm like, no, like the blood, dry did two days ago stressed me out way more. See, but and like for mine, I didn't get the choice of being put
2: under or like light sedation because it was only it's less than an hour. But I'm like, I don't care what you have to do, but I don't want to feel this. I don't want to be conscious enough where I know what you're doing. Cause I've had other procedures where um like all they've given me was freezing drops and I could feel what they were doing. And it is the most creepy, terrifying, uncomfortable thing you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, like I you know I've had needles I've had them do like laser procedures with the eye while I was awake I've had them do needles I'm like nope this is not happening I don't care what you say like you're giving me something to relax me and calm me down before you give me sedation and you're going to give me sedation and, and I'm not going to be conscious enough to, <laughs> to, do, to <laughs> know what you're doing and like they were able to give me um, was it Ativan I believe um, which was also interesting I'd never had that before Um, That was fun. It was good. Um, Maybe really relaxed. Like, I don't remember going into the actual OR this previous, like this recent surgery. Um, But I remember like, and it was really sweet because especially for these procedures, because sometimes you will be able to feel something. They, it was really sweet because they let a nurse come in and hold my hand if I wanted. Um, And they do that for everyone. But it was like, I never had that be an option before they wouldn't let my mom, my mom come in, but that was fine. So like, there's like a good, it's a really sweet nurse holding my hand. I'm like, and she's like, squeeze my hand if it hurts. Um, And like, I was sedated enough, but I could still kind of feel something. Mm. And I think it was more it, like, I freaked myself out in my, in my head. Like I worked myself up in my head rather than it actually, it didn't really hurt, but the fact that I could feel it creeped yeah. me out enough. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, give me more sedation, please. They're like, we can't I'm like, why? I'm like, do not tell <laughs> me you can't give me more. They're like we need you to be responsive. I'm like, you're not even asking me questions. Why must I be responsive? Please <laughs> <laughs> give me more sedation, please. Um, and I think they gave me a bit more because I don't really remember much after that until I got in the car. So I was happy after that. <laughs> just like and it's just being awake and knowing and like feeling, feeling mm-hmm. it, and yes. whether it's just uncomfortable or whether it's actually painful. But also just like you're sitting there while they're doing something really creepy and. In, you know, rather invasive to your eye mm-hmm. and you're, you have nothing, you can't move and you're just kind of laying there sitting there thinking about like, okay, I can't move my head. And if I move my head, something could happen and not be good. And like, you kind of like psych yourself out like get yourself all worked up. Yes. And that's definitely like my biggest like downfall with all of this is yes. I'm definitely not as calm as I Nika was apparently <laughs> for hers. <laughs> um, but again, I've had so many things done that it's like, I don't really even care if I'm not calm at this point because I like, I know what kind of what to expect given mm-hmm. previous situations. So I was just happy that they, because they weren't originally going to give me sedation either. They were just going to give me freezing drops and do it at the clinic. I'm like, no, I can't do that. Like, I am way too anxious and stressed and terrified. You mm-hmm. are going to put me under sedation. And they actually had to like rebook. Um, well, it got canceled already, had gotten canceled once. So I was waiting for over a year for this procedure. And then they actually had to push it back two days so I could get sedation. Um, But I think the surgeon, he saw, like, I don't know if he saw my face, something. He saw my face or heard in my voice how, like, creeped out I was and, like, how, you know, determined I was to get sedation. So I didn't have to be, I didn't have to feel it. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't care what, I just don't want to feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he was really, like, I was actually very, he was really good about that. And he actually pushed some other surgeries back or whatever so I could get that. So I was pretty
1: happy about that. That's good. Well, I just have one final question. Do you have any advice for parents of kids who are going through surgeries? Is there anything that, you know, loved ones could do to support you through something like this?
3: When I was a kid, like at the time, um, before I came to term with my blindness and accepted it when I was around 14 or 15, all I wanted was an eye surgery. Soon as I heard when I was at the low vision clinic that it was a potential possibility, I basically wanted to go for it. And looking back, I'm really, really grateful that I wasn't able to get a surgery until I was 21, because I think as hard as it is to accept and as hard as it is to believe it, I think things happen for a reason and at the right time. And I know for me, back then when I was a teenager, I did not really have as strong of a friendship. I had a lot more superficial um, friends. And I also just, I think if something were to go wrong and I did lose my vision, I would be a lot more devastated. I think if things went well, all I would be thinking of was I want more vision. And at the time, all I wanted was to just get out of the blind community. And there was a lot of internalized ableism back then. Whereas now going into this, I was more serene. I was more kind of, let's see what happens. And um, also like, like Jill, you and I became friends in the past, like couple years only. So mm-hmm. when I was, you I didn't really know you. So you helped a lot in terms of like, I knew if something did happen, I could call you. Like you checked on me, like the day of surgery, like even the day after, like I hung out at your house and I kept my blood in your fridge. <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> just little things like that I think timing and at the time when I was you know 11 12 13 14 I was wondering why I couldn't get this surgery even though I knew cornea transplants existed um and I think just the timing and everything happened when it was supposed to happen for me
2: mm. and I think for me um I do really well when there's humor involved. It makes me less anxious, less stressed. It makes me laugh. It makes me feel instantly better. Um, so, and my family is pretty entertaining. Um, and always making jokes or like, you know, if I was scared of needles, um, I'm better with them now, but I was terrified of them as a kid. And my mom would like, what if I poked you in the other arm? I'm like, well, if you're long nails, it probably would help. Like, you'd feel the same way. Or like just so many jokes and... I remember my brother had gone, he had lived in Vancouver at the time and he took me to a checkup and like, I was pretty nervous because it was the first time that they were ever doing that kind of whatever they're doing, a procedure or something. And he like turns, like they leave the room and he turns me he's like, that doctor was kind of hot and just like makes stupid, like stupid comments and stupid jokes that made me feel better. And like my other brother, um, like when surgeries, like they want you to wear socks or slippers, but they're all like too big for my feet. So he, like, I don't know, had, we had traveled to Edmonton and he had a suitcase and he gave me a pair of was like bright yellow socks. And it was like the goofiest thing. And like, I had a friend, usually when you get a surgery, they, um, especially eye surgery to make sure, you know, they're operating on the right one. They'll draw a dot above that eye on your forehead, like on your forehead. <laughs> and my friend, instead of just doing a dot, my friend came with us and she drew a little stick figure on my forehead. <laughs> um, it was So going, I didn't know until I was in the operating room. They're like, "Who drew that on your head?" I'm like, "What do you mean? It's a dot." They're like, "No, someone drew a little stick figure." Um, so like, so my family and friends are always very like a lot of jokes, a lot of humor, you know, just goofing around and just making it not seem so intense and not seem so scary. Um, You know, there's a lot of issues. Like I lost a lot of friends because of the vision, all the surgeries, I was gone for so much, like we weren't as close. There's a lot of downsides to that. Um, But my biggest thing is just, if you can have with your family and friends, like a really good solid support system, um, who who knows you enough to know like what you're scared about and try and find a way to help you feel more comfortable, and you know, make it seem not so scary and intense. Um, and just like, especially like my mom also, she was really great about letting me ask questions and letting like the doctor explain it and like talk to her, not to me kind of thing. My mom has always been really good about that. Um, so I think just having like ha- letting your parents, having your parents let you kind of lead the conversations and because it's your eyes, it's your body, it's not theirs like whether you're a minor or not it's still your eyes it's still your body so if like you can have if the parents can let the kids you know ask the questions and kind of lead and facilitate the conversations if they want to um i think that's really important because it gave me the confidence like by my mom doing that and my doctor in edmonton being so um so great about like explaining everything to me it gave me the confidence to be comfortable with asking those questions and um You know, even now, like being an adult and being on my own and not having my family close by, it gave me that confidence to go to those checkups by myself. Thank you.
1: Great advice. Thank you both so much for sharing. This has been really fascinating to hear about your journeys, and I'm sure it'll be really helpful to people listening. Thanks for being here.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating only if you like the podcast and join us next time.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada that supports children and youth who are blind